Hello, and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca Anderson, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you found us. This month, November 2022, our worship series is Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. And last Sunday, I was on the hook for a comedy set that also served as a sermon, or vice versa. On November 13th, we met at the Glenwood in Rogers Park, our home neighborhood. Besides all the regular Gileadites, there were 25 young UCC clergy in attendance, vast amounts of pizza, and at least one super drunk guy with a shillelagh. It was a whole thing. Uh, Seems like I've put it off as long as I can. Here's my sermon slash comedy set, question mark, from last Sunday. Introduced by Gilead's own Monica Carmine. Put your hands the f*** together for our second handsomest paid ordained pastor, (laughs) Rebecca. Keep it going for Monica and Krista and all the stories and announcements and prayers you've heard tonight. Give yourselves a hand for coming out to support live church. So um, thanks to this series, I have for several weeks had the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, stuck in my head. Do people in this room even know it's a hymn? No. Yeah, okay, exactly. It's a very old school hymn. It was written in 1858. It's full of like straight up military language, colonizer language. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. It's real kind of like core Gilead shit, you know what I mean? It's like a lot of queer storytelling bar energy. Um, Surprisingly... It is not in the New Century hymnal. That's for the pastors. That's the UCC hymnal, um, which was a good faith effort by a lot of well-meaning progressives that turned into something that no one is happy with, which is very on brand for well-meaning progressives. They did a lot of good work, but they ruined every Christmas carol. Let's, Let's see if you can get this one. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth... Wrong! Wrong! Let earth its praises bring. Anyway, so I've had stand up, stand up for Jesus stuck in my head, but I want you to know that I have been correcting God's pronouns in the song. So I'm like, stand up, ye soldiers of the cross, lift high God's royal banner, it must not suffer loss. Okay, that's all the church material. Um, It's all the new century hymnal material, although I would really like to get into how much I hate the topical index. Um... But the, the rest of this is basically Shark Week jokes um, and this. So Friday, this past Friday, was a very important date in my life with my best friend. Like eight, eight years ago, eight years ago, and a couple of days, you know, t- give or take, I was in the shower um, doing like a pretty uh, thorough clean, which is, it's not a euphemism for masturbation. Um, there's, there's basically no masturbation material tonight. Um, this was just a good, old-fashioned, non-masturbatory shower without a washcloth, which is weird because I'm very pro-washcloth, um, especially for the dirty parts. And I don't mean like dirty sinful, obviously. I don't mean like dirty shameful. I mean dirty like good. Um, so I was doing a good, dirty, like thorough hand wash when I stopped because I, um, I felt something. And I'm a hypochondriac from way back, so I think um, anal warts right away, 100% (laughs) anal warts, and not for nothing, because I had like a whole thing with HPV, like who didn't, right? So I never had warts, but the doctors seemed very like shruggy and unsure about the whole thing, so I didn't know what to expect. At the time, they were like, meh, I mean like, 
You'll either have it forever, like, oh my God, it's gone, we think. So in 2014, I was in the shower with definitely anal warts and I freak out and text my best friend, I have anal warts. <laughs> Kelly texts back immediately, okay, what do you need from me? Do you need me to apply salve? First of all, thank you. Second of all, no, I don't even have any salve. Although we're, we're both pretty old timey, so maybe she was thinking like sort of like a mustard poultice or something. But third, and obviously given what we all now know, I can reach my own ass hole. Like truly, uh, no shade to anyone who can't, uh, but I can and I'm not bragging. But it's mostly like, wow, like she really does love me. So I make an appointment for November 11, 2014, and I go to my doctor, and she's the only doctor I've ever had who I like. And I see her, and I get back to my car in a parking spot where there's now a historic marker commemorating this day. <laughs> and I text Kelly, and I say, guess who has hemorrhoids, bitches? <laughs> and that's what I would like on my gravestone. Uh, green burial, obviously. So um, Kelly calls it Wartgate. She has an um, annual reminder on her phone. She really does love me. Um, so that doctor, here's the problem. I, I really like this doctor. I used to. She knows me. Like one time during a pelvic exam, exam she like cranks open the speculum, and I can tell by her face immediately something is wrong. And she says, like she sees something, right? And she says immediately, it's not cancer. <laughs> Which is like probably not ethical, right? Like how could she know that? But what she does know is that I'm gonna go from molehill to anal warts like that. So she like intervenes, right? And she was right, it wasn't cancer, uh, but it was extra. Well, extra it was a little cyst, which theoretically I'm into, I love a cyst. Uh, it's more of like an intellectual interest, I would say, than I don't, I'm not like that into like homegrown cysts. Um, so I, I had to have it removed. I went to another doctor who I also like, very rare, the second doctor I've ever liked. Um, and even more rare, he's a gentleman doctor. Um, not a doctor for gentlemen. Um, he's a man who's a doctor. Um, so this man doctor removes the cyst and puts it in like a little medicine bottle and asks um, if I want to see it. And at first I was ashamed and I was like, no, I don't, I don't need to see it. And I was like, what? Of course I do, which made him crack a smile, which was very important to me. For a while I had a, a very big goal of making this gynecologist laugh because it's a challenge. Like, on one hand, it's a low bar. People don't make that many jokes to their gynecologist, apparently. Uh, and on the other hand, you have, like, really limited material that feels appropriate to draw on when you're, like, not wearing pants. <laughs> so anyway, this, this doctor, this first doctor who I liked, um, a couple of problems. One, she's not down with cysts. 
I have this um, like fatty cyst on my side. It's benign, but it ruins my otherwise like perfectly symmetrical standard of beauty body. And and I I have like truly adored cysts for years. I asked her with a great deal of hope, is there any chance that this side cyst? And yes, of course I'm thinking of the side wound of Jesus because I always am. Is there any? <laughs> Is there any chance that my side cyst contains something interesting like teeth or hair? And no, she said right away, no, it's not that kind of cyst. And I was like, can you not humor me for a second? And she would not. She would not. Okay, so I've been into cysts for a while. Like, I found some old comedy notes from 2005, and I used to do this, like, whole gross-out bit about dermoid cysts, which are the ones with teeth and hair, not to be confused with vestigial twins, which that happens all the time, right? People confuse dermoid cysts with vestigial twins. And it was the only material that ever made me shut down a set early. Like, it seemed collectively we could not go on. And I was like, anyway... Sorry. <laughs> like, well, but I, I do, I enjoy gross shit so much. Like, all of my search history, it's like 55% hypochondria, like 10% pimple popper porn, like 30% rare disorders I come across on Instagram, and then 5% Oremus Bible browser. <laughs> also for the pastors, sorry, slash you're welcome. Um, so... Uh, the other problem with that doctor, besides her refusal to yes and my whole like dermoid cyst idea, um, I thought that this doctor was body pause, but it was just that I met her at a time when I was like unreasonably skinny, like like um, we didn't know, by the way, that Gilead was going to be so body pause, like. I think it's fair to say that we knew it wasn't going to be like a lot of body shaming, you know, that wasn't the vision we had, um, but. Being pro-body is kind of like core Gilead right now. Even though it's not written down anywhere except that pinup calendar we made. If you're new here, we made a pinup calendar. Um, but then, actually, that whole year turned out to be a global pandemic, so it's like causation or correlation, but I don't know if we want to risk it again. So we didn't know also <laughs> that there was going to be so much Shark Week content. Um, and I want to apologize. I didn't know how little Shark Week content there was going to be here tonight. I'm sorry. Um, Overpromise and underdeliver. That's the Rebecca Anderson story. Um, so Shark Week at Gilead was initially about sharks. <laughs> like we had a guy from the Shedd Aquarium, and we had Jello shots, which are very sharky apparently. Um, but it's been all uphill since then. First of all, Ollie, who couldn't be here tonight, told us that a lot of trans men call their period Shark Week. And then Alexa Dava, second shout out to Dava tonight, Alexa Dava started hosting Shark Week half hours at the telethon and quizzing people about menstrual products. And then there's been a huge amount of community support around the tampon shortage. Like Lucas, Mer Lucas Merchant has been buying OBs for me when he sees them. And UCC clergy, don't worry, I pay him back. Like, this is within the ministerial code of ethics. I honor all the debts which I incur. Um, actually, Lucas and I do have, like, a low-key conspiracy theory about OB tampons, but it basically boils down to capitalism is real and bad. So, anyway. Um, the other shark wheat bit is that these days I yell at Vince every month, when appropriate, shark wheat! <laughs> or I, like, leave him a little voice memo saying that, you know? <laughs> 
and I feel like that's good for our church. You know, it's like a... That's like a pretty healthy boundary, you know? It's like just normalize telling your co-pastor when you're bleeding by yelling at him in your office. But when Vince and I started working together, it wasn't like this. We were very formal and kind of distant from each other. Um, it took years until we could make eye contact while speaking. Um, so just after we started and just before Hulu, Hulu released The New Handmaid's Tale, yes, Caitlin, we heard about it, um, we were in our office together. And in writing this next thing down, I found this to be actually the most vulnerable thing I've said so far. Um, I found a, a chin hair, okay? And I've known for a long time that if somebody wanted to blackmail me, they wouldn't have to find anything big. They could just be like, we have pictures of you picking your nose enthusiastically, <laughs> investigatively. And I'd be like, what do you want? I will give you anything. So, okay, I was in an office, I have a chin hair, and of course, I keep a mirror and tweezers in my desk at the office, and I pull those out, and Vince is like, no, no. <laughs> too much incarnation. <laughs> TM incarnation. So, uh, the last time we sang that disgusting John Mayer song, Bubblegum Tongue makes me want to vomit, and as you may have noticed, I have a pretty strong stomach. Uh, the last time we sang it, I was also preaching on incarnation. That's what's happening, by the way. I'm sure you noticed. This is it, the short sermonic turn. Get ready. It's going to be fast, abrupt, etc. God doesn't think bodies are dirty. God knows they're dirty. From when God had one. God knows and remembers the terror of loving what is protected from eternity only by skin. God is extremely body pause from way back, from the beginning, when there was nothing. What God wanted was bodies or like stuff to begin with. And then bodies, underwater bodies, shark bodies for Vince's kid Nola to love and everyone else to fear. Sky bodies, geese for Mary Oliver to eventually write poems about. Soft animal bodies for Mary Oliver to allude to in the same poem in a way that makes everyone go, hmm. But it... <laughs> and also, it's a really good poem, and at least it's not the one where she asks what I intend to do with my wild and precious life, which is like, honestly, Mary, Instagram and masturbate, okay? Like, so... So oppressive, that's one masturbation joke after all, and really, as Ira Glass says, all I did was acknowledge the existence of masturbation, so it's fine. God wanted people bodies, which yes, I know, are also animal bodies. Bodies that are like grass, here today and gone tomorrow. Bodies that are like clay jars, porous and prone to that weird mildew that happens to terracotta. Bodies that nevertheless hold every possibility for treasure, love, and knowing each other, and seeking God, and walking for, on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting, even though Mary Oliver says, you don't have to do that. <laughs> God wanted a particular body in a particular place, which is why on Christmas Eve, we read that God took on flesh, dirty good flesh, and lived among us. It's why we sing Silent Night, Holy Night, Child of God, thank you, New Century Hymnal, <laughs> loves pure light just before we attempt to sing a mangled joy to the world. Because God knows, God knows us with all of our horrifying, disgusting bodies, our fear, our filth, our Mary Oliver poems, our well-meaning, failed attempts, and you know what? She really does love us.